So another example from Lost Island, there was a crew that was working at one of the uh, one of the food stands. And I have to say the food was amazing. We got this this uh, noodle bowl that was hot and it was flavorful. And we all commented like, this is restaurant quality, like outside of a theme park food. But the team there, the cooks and the, the server and, you know, everybody that was there was so enthusiastic about the the process and the product. I think it made it taste better. You know, so yeah, yeah. It, all, it all comes together. Even the, the the chef came out and, you know, while we're eating it on this beautiful patio overlooking the lake and it was just a beautiful setting. And he's like, how was it? You know, did you did you enjoy it? Like, so that enthusiasm for his product, you know, made us enjoy it even more. Welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, Matt, I am doing great. And I want to talk about roller coasters today, but how are you? I am fantastic. If you're not watching on the video, I'm doing a roller coaster up and down motion. Um, yes, fantastic. And I would love to talk about roller coasters today, okay. uh, but I have a question for you. Okay. Do you remember what you were doing, let's say midday-ish, on July 6th of this year. Sure do. <laughs> what were you doing? I was standing uh, outside the exit of Raging Bull at Six Flags Great America, capturing a photo of you, Alan, and Darren riding it. And you became part of CNC 23, Coaster NerdCon 23. Woohoo! I was there. I was part of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so thanks for being there. It was great to hang out with you that day. Um, so today will be kind of our, I guess, annual episode to recap some lessons, uh, from, from that time, but, have, um, have we done this every, every year since we started the podcast? I mean, obviously you didn't do one in 2020. Right. Um, yeah. But I think I'd have to go back and look, maybe we have done it. I think pandemic aside, this is an, an annual well, your trip is an annual tradition. Therefore, this episode is also an annual tradition. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I know you've been to Great America before. I know you've been on many coaster trips, um, but this was your first time on CNC. So what did you think? Was it mind blowing? It was everything I hoped it would be. <laughs> and then some. <laughs> it was great to well, it was great to see you. And it was great to uh, to chat with uh, uh, with Alan and Darren as well. And, uh, you know, it was great to, I, I would say, great to have an excuse to be like, I'm not going to work today. I'm going to go to Six Flags and ride roller coasters. So thank you for <laughs> including Great America on this trip. Thank you for starting that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's always great to uh, see people along the way and great to see you uh, in person, uh, not on a Zoom call. Um, but it was great to have you there. And, um, you know, for, for some coasters, it's it's great to have a fourth, you know, because sure. you can 
fill out a row on a B&M or, you know, nobody has to go alone. So, um, uh, you know, so for coaster nerddom, that's a, that's a great reason to have a fourth. And that's why you had to ride Raging Bull again after <laughs> after I was standing at the exit waiting for you. <laughs> and we wrote it again after you left. Okay, so you wrote it, you wrote it twice with an either an empty seat or a single rider. Yes, and once with cool. Yeah, yeah. but we're we're good with that. So um, should we should we jump into some uh, some lessons and experiences from that trip? I cannot wait to hear what you learned. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I learned that a lot of things matter. So that's going to be sort of our thread through the different things that we're going to talk about. The first thing, and maybe we should go ahead and highlight the uh, the parks that we went to. So we started at Six Flags Great America. We then went to Lost Island in Waterloo, Iowa. Then we went to Adventureland. Then Worlds of Fun, Silver Dollar City, Frontier City, Six Flags Over Texas, SeaWorld San Antonio, and then Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. That's a lot of miles. It is that's, a lot of miles, yeah. That's a lot of America. <laughs> <laughs> we did see a lot of America. Uh, we saw a lot of a lot of theme parks and a lot of American theme parks. So, um, But yeah, getting back to kind of the thread of things matter. The first one I'm going to talk about is enthusiasm matters. So I'm going to probably share something with you that's not too surprising. Um, one of the, the biggest lessons that we got was from the last park that we visited, Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. We got to spend a ton of time with Jeffrey Siebert, park president, Six Flags so Fiesta. So jealous, by the way. <laughs> we did a, um, a lift walk up um, the cliffhanger um, uh, dive coaster. Uh, he was so gracious in spending time with us. He came and came and met us in the VIP room. He he offered to take us, you know, everywhere around the park. You want to see the haunted houses? Let's go see the haunted houses. You want to do this? Let's go do this. So the reason I have him under enthusiasm matters, probably not a big surprise, is that every time I'm around him, I recognize how his enthusiasm is so infectious, right? Mm -hmm. And we just got to see him for a couple of hours during the day that we were there. But you see it in his staff as well. You see it in the in the people that, you know, maybe even didn't interact with us when he was around. Uh, but, you know, the staff at Six Flags Fiesta Texas was great. Um, the experience that we had was really, really uh, wonderful. But even when he walks around, he talks to people, he makes eye contact, he um, calls people by name without looking at their name tag. Um, at least I don't see him looking at their name tag. Um, but what I really appreciated was how he has taken on the challenges of the last couple of years in stride. You know, we talk about the um, the employment challenges, right? And he told us that they are in some cases overstaffed, right? Because of their their approach. And he said, you know, we just looked at things and we we took a very realistic look. And, you know, it, it comes somewhat from his enthusiasm for just putting on a great product, putting on a great show. He talked to us about the fireworks show. He talked about, about you know, what they're doing for their team to, to you know, bolster employment and, and make sure they're taking care of them. By the way, we were there, it was 104 degrees, Ooh. which as, as he and some other folks that we talked to said, this is nothing for us, right? Um, but for me, it was, it was a lot. For Alan and Darren, it was a lot. Um, 
So we made sure we stayed hydrated. We took advantage of the VIP room that uh, that he allowed us to use. But just talking about how how he's expanding the park and the things that are happening there, I just can't get past the fact that his enthusiasm is really what has driven so much of what you saw there or what we saw at Fiesta Texas. I remember there was a there was a time I I think we were on a coaster, we were elevated somewhere and you could see if you're not familiar with Fiesta Texas, it's in a quarry, right? So there's lots of places where you're kind of up above a lot of the rides and I just looked out and it may have been a quick look if I was on a coaster, I can't remember, but um, you saw motion and you saw color and you saw just everything that you would think you would see at a park that is thriving. And he talked about the fact that, you know, nothing is closed. Like they do everything they can to get everything open, to make sure things are painted, to, you know, if if there's a directive from corporate, enthusiastically, he's like, yes, let's do it. Let's make sure it happens. And again, so I go back to that enthusiasm matters. It really, really impacted not only our experience, just hanging out with a good friend and colleague in the industry, but you could see how it had such a positive impact on the entire uh, Fiesta Texas experience that hopefully other people were feeling as well. So first of all, when I said I was jealous, even before you told out that story, now just just take that and multiply it times 10 or 100 at least or so. Uh, everything that you're describing here uh, really emphasizes that enthusiasm starts at the top. You know, Jeffrey Siebert is the he's the park president there. So when you say it was infectious and really catching on with with all of the staff members with whom you interacted, strong chance that Jeffrey probably plays a very strong role in that, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, you know, as you're walking around, I mean, I've been uh, in a lot of parks where an executive may or may not say hello to a frontline staff member. Jeffrey goes out of his way to yeah. do it, you know, yeah. and I think that connection, whether again, he knows that person well or not, or if it's a brand new person, or if he recognizes someone that has done something recently that he appreciates, he makes sure that he thanks them again, yeah. right, yeah. for that. And so I think that enthusiasm um is infectious as well. So, you know, here's the thing. It's it's easy to say enthusiasm matters, right? It's easy to, to you know, put that in a PowerPoint slide or in a back of house poster or something like that. The way that you're describing it shows that it is it is truly running through the veins of, of everyone, you know, uh, who you interacted with, and including and especially Jeffrey Siebert. The challenge with it is that in a theme park environment, enthusiasm sometimes can only go so far because it's very your the the job everyone's job is is routine right is about repetition is about consistency so i have a chapter in my book about this about about not losing that enthusiasm and oftentimes even if you're operating a roller coaster and if it's one of the you know top roller coasters in the world whatever it is i Checking a lap bar and seatbelt is checking a lap bar and seatbelt. If you're doing that hundreds, thousands of times a day, it becomes very routine. And sometimes it can feel redundant. So what I like to say is to, to preserve that enthusiasm is to kind of go back to that like first day feeling. Like, what did you feel the first day you were at work when you were so excited about all this? And even if it now still feels routine, even if it feels ordinary, and even if it feels redundant, of remembering what that was like, whether it was your first day or when you visited as a guest and saying, 
what are all the things that my guests are now seeing for the first time that maybe my eyes have adjusted to? And if you work at Six Flags Fiesta Texas and you're there every single day, you're used to seeing Six Flags Fiesta Texas. So what you're describing sounds like they do a phenomenal job of preserving that first day feeling and then spilling over that enthusiasm, not only onto the staff members, but that also overflows to the guest as well. Absolutely. 100%. And I think one of the things that Jeffrey said, um, you know, as we were nerding out on a lot of things, he was showing us, you know, the little details of the cliffhanger ride or the queue or, you know, the, the, the queue that has been created at Poltergeist, which is a haunted house as you're walking in to ride the ride. Um, he said, I'm an enthusiast that gets to run a theme park, you know, <laughs> and so it's like the the enthusiasm that he shares right with everybody he gets to see the results of that and i think that just enthusiasm enthusiasm makes him more enthusiastic you know it's it's a cycle right so the more you get to see the results of your of your positive behavior the more you want to create more positive behavior um and i think that's absolutely uh what what's happening there with with jeffrey and his team yeah it builds upon itself yeah, it does. Now, I also have some some honorable mentions uh, when it comes to uh, enthusiasm matters. Uh, I mentioned that we went to Lost Island um, in Waterloo, Iowa, and there was a gentleman, and I, I wish I had his name. Um, when we went to the dark ride, um, and I'm remiss to not have the name of it in front of me, but you know, Lost Island has these these very unique names for a lot of their attractions. Um, he and it was like early in the morning. I think we may have been some of the first guests. He literally came out of the ride, was inviting us in. I don't want to say he was like a carnival barker, like, come on over, right? But he was inviting us in. He was very enthusiastic. He's like, this is going to be the great show. You know, he was just, he was smiling. He was energetic. Um, and I think that actually, it was a great ride, no doubt about it. But I think that enthusiasm really helped us enjoy that ride even more. Yes, yes. Right? Um, and so another example from Lost Island, there was a crew that was working at one of the uh, one of the food stands. And I have to say the food was amazing. We got this this uh, noodle bowl that was hot and it was flavorful. And we all commented like this is restaurant quality, like outside of a theme park food. But the team there, the cooks and the, the server and, you know, everybody that was there was so enthusiastic about the the process and the product. I think it made it taste better. You know, so yeah, I think yeah. it, all, it all comes together. Even the, the the chef came out and, you know, while we're eating it on this beautiful patio overlooking the lake and it was just a beautiful setting. And he's like, how was it? You know, did you did you enjoy it? Like, so that enthusiasm for his product, you know, made us enjoy it even more. So remember when we did Attraction Pros takes Las Vegas? I do. And we did uh, Slotzilla. Really cool experience, right? Like- yeah. It was over Fremont Street, like really unique. What was your most memorable part of that experience? You mean getting shot out of a big slot machine? Yeah. Um, well, we did it together, so that was very memorable. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, probably just the, you know, just going over Fremont Street. Yeah. Thing. That's probably not what you're going for. Oh, well, oh they're team members. I, yes, yes. Yes. So I had to go back in my memory banks, but yes. It was uh, like five years ago. So, I know, yeah. but the team members, the team members were exceptional. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what I remember. I remember I remember the zipline being amazing, 
And I remember the team members being absolutely incredible. And yeah, I I enjoyed it more. We enjoyed it more. So everything of what you're saying, that the dark ride, the the restaurant quality food, right, is even more enjoyable when the people who are delivering the experience amp it up. So shameless plug for if you haven't listened to Attraction Pros Takes Las Vegas, go back and check that out. Absolutely. <laughs> check out the interview with Jeffrey Siebert. We also did it was probably also around five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So enthusiasm matters. All right. That's number one. Number one. Number two, recognition matters. Okay. So you know that I always talk about being creative with recognition and and how important recognition is for, for not only acknowledging someone's uh, positive behavior or positive contribution, but also to kind of excite them and, and get them moving forward. So they want to continue those type of behaviors. Right. So I had the um, the very great fortune of hanging out with Tony and Gina Clausen. Gina, another one of our previous uh, guests on the epi- on the the podcast, and they had just recently received personalized posters for 25 years of service with Hershen that were in Silver Dollar City. Okay, so think of this like the windows on Main Street at Disney. Okay, 100 percent what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Now. Silver Dollar City wants to recognize these uh, amazingly loyal and high-performing team members. They don't have the windows, you know, like they do at, at, at Disney, but maybe they take that idea and they say, hmm, how can we really acknowledge the people that have worked for us so hard, but put it out in an area where, you know, you have uh, guests that are seeing it. Now, I, of course, went to look for them when Gina told me that they were there and she wouldn't tell me where they were. So I had to go on a little little bit of a scavenger hunt. And I have to say, as much as I loved Silver Dollar City and it was great and Time Traveler was an amazing coaster. The first time we got to ride it, Outlaw Run, amazing. I think one of my highlights was finding those posters, you know, (laughs) because I'm I'm finding the posters of of my friends and it's, it's so cool to see. But I also got to talk to Tony and Gina about the process of um, how those posters come to be because they're very personalized. Um, so they said that there's actually a, a process that they go through, you know, they know when that, that anniversary is coming up and they sit with someone, they talk to them about their interests and things like that. So Gina's is about safety and it's a, like a tour guide, um, kind of, kind of poster. And it's in the, uh, it's in the queue of, uh, powder keg. And so she had started her career in attractions, spent a, a good bit of time there. So she said it should be in an attraction. So that's where that that particular uh, poster is. Tony's, apparently he's he's famous for using lots of big words and reading and that kind of thing. So his is like, you know, Tony's bookstore kind of thing. And, and he wanted it where he kind of spent some time in his formative years. So it's at the railroad crossing. So right there, you know, where the, where the railroad crosses the guest path. Um, and that led to a conversation of all the, the fun that he used to have, um, you know, in that position. But what it what it reiterated to me was how important it is that we find creative and very personal ways that we can acknowledge people's contributions. Because when I heard them talking about their poster, right, it's one thing to go see the poster. It's another thing to hear them talk about the process and you could just see their their eyes light up and you could just you could hear the the passion in their voice as they as they talked about how proud they were to receive this. So that's I think my next point is recognition matters. 
That is so freaking cool. <laughs> I, I said this, that like, now I want to book a trip to Silver Dollar City just to find their posters as well. And even just to find other posters and see like, what, you know, can I learn more about people who've spent, you know, so much time, uh, you know, within the organization? I, it, and especially when you talk about, you know, the pride that Gina and Tony had talking about, you said that the process and just, and just everything about it, um, you can't do that with a Starbucks card. You know, we, we right. recognition and, and, you know, you, you talk about like rewarding an employee to kind of continue the behavior. I like, those are all really good things. A Starbucks card, a movie ticket, a, you know, a, a gas card, you know, a, a call out in a, in a morning meeting, like all of that is extremely small potatoes to really what you just described. Now, granted, uh, you know, having a great guest interaction, something like that, and, serving an organization for 25 years, I think are, are on a different scale and deserve to, you know, a, you know, a, a different, a different level of recognition. Uh, but the, the intention and the, the authenticity there of saying like, what can we do for some of that is extremely personal and, and not everyone's is the same. You said it, it all kind of identifies with, with who they are as an individual and how they grew within the organization. Uh, I, I think that's, I, that's something that I think, you know, everyone, you know, watching or listening to this can really learn from. I think so. And um, it's funny you mentioned looking for other posters because I was doing that as well. Of course, anytime I saw anybody's name on something, I'm like, is that a real person? Is that, you know, something? And there were a couple of other people that I, I asked Tony and Gina later, you know, when, when we met up with them, I'm like, no. So this person I saw, they're like, no, that's just theming, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but I thought that was, that was, that was uh, really, really fun. And now Gina and Tony are part of the theming at Silver yeah. Dollar City. They're just they're they're now just part of it from now on. Well, yeah. and I think I think what's so cool about that, and similar to the the windows at Disney, is that they are part of the park and they will be part of that legacy. You hate to say it this way, but long after they're gone. Yeah. You know? So if they retire, if they move on to something else, like they're still going to be part of that property and be able to show that they had a, a a big impact on the success of that organization yeah yeah recognition matters yeah. recognition matters absolutely cool. absolutely yeah. yeah yeah um oh so i i i kind of pref i said this in the last one um but i also want to recognize the food at lost island i know i mentioned it in our in our last bullet point but um the best food we had at a park uh, for the entire trip was was there at Lost Island was that was that uh, noodle bowl and like I said it was restaurant quality outside of the you know could could it stood on its own outside of a theme park um, but I just wanted to reiterate that as it as we talk about recognition and how much that matters that um, of all the parks we went to of of all the food that we ate um, and I didn't get a funnel cake I'm kind of disappointed about that um, but that was that was hands down our favorite food that we I had I think you Lost even Island. told me that uh when we spoke last week like that was like one of your top highlights in a, in a non-recorded conversation that we had right, right. <laughs> so, yeah yeah that's how few. much <laughs> you know it meant. so yeah yeah I'll, yeah I'll go to lost island just for the food yeah for the rides and for but you have to yeah <laughs> yeah and the and the theming and everything and the theming yeah. um all right so you ready for the next one let's do it environment matters okay Environment matters. So on this one, I might get a little nerdy, but go with me. So I already mentioned, <laughs> I, I already mentioned, you know, how, how great Fiesta Texas looked. 
and you know the the energy and, and that type of thing. Worlds of Fun looked amazing. Um, the last time we were there six years ago or so, it was raining the entire day. So it's it's hard to judge what a park really looks like. But I know that they've put a lot of time, effort, and energy into kind of retheming a lot of the areas at, at Worlds of Fun, that there's been a lot of painting. Like you walk around and it's it looks like it could have opened today, many of those areas. Um, it was clean. It was you know well-maintained, well-taken care of. The landscaping looked great. And I can't emphasize enough how that raises or elevates your experience for everything else, right? I won't mention names of, of other parks that we may have walked in and there was some peeling paint or there was some chipped wood or some things that maybe, you know, a guest wouldn't necessarily notice. Um, there was, you know, um, trash and dirt in the corners of the where walkways come together. But I noticed it. And I imagine other people do. And that was, it was... I don't want to say souring, but maybe a little sadder, you know, as you walked into that park and it, you didn't feel the energy um, and you didn't, you didn't um, kind of take, take all that in uh, as a, as a consumer saying, this is going to be a great day. Now I'm seeing these little things here and there that might add up to, mm, you know, it's, it's not quite the elevated experience. I will also say that Lost Island had the same feeling as Worlds of Fun. Uh, in terms of it was clean, it was beautiful. The theming was amazing. The the details were taken care of. At Lost Island, they had a a flat ride. I think in their water section. I'm saying that because it was kind of blue. Um, and it the 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 um the flat ride had a walkway all the way around it. Right now, in some places, they would just kind of leave the flat ride, and you might see the backside of it. But they took the time and effort to put a um, a themed wall around it. So it's, it looks like it blends in, but when you walk around the other side, oh, there's this flat ride, you know? <laughs> so you're not seeing the backside of a ride. You're seeing this decorative wall that blends in with the rest of the, the environment. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was, that was amazing. Um, one last detail I'll share with you, and then I'll I'll kind of let you let you because it looks like you want to say something. But one thing I don't I want I don't want to forget. Um, so I think you know that my the first ride I ever learned to run was the Roundup. Okay, it's somewhere back here I've got a picture of it. Um, the World's of Fun Roundup. I so appreciated this so much that I took a video of it and I put it on Facebook. There's a pattern inside the roundup that makes it look like a spiral sort of thing and it's in there it's in their asian um area so it's it's you know in those kind of colors and style but i just thought it was such a cool detail because as the ride is turning and it flips up and when it flips up it's facing the the walkway so as you're walking by you you can see it you can see the, the kind of the inner circle part of the of the ride platform and you see this spiral thing happening. They didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? That was such a an extra thing that I'm I'm curious where the idea came from because it was just so cool. I've never seen that on any other roundup. Um, but it was those kind of details that so contribute to the environment that you know you combine that with how clean, um, especially those parks were. Fiesta Texas, Silver Dollar City, extremely clean. Um, uh, Lost Island, Worlds of Fun. You know, there was fresh paint, it was clean, there was music, you know, all those things really contributed to the environment that we were in. And I think that mattered in our overall experience. 
So I think one of the challenges is justifying the ROI of environment. It's, you know, you talk about the like the paint. Well, we're going to spend X amount of dollars on paint. How are we going to measure how we're going to get that get that back in revenue from you know sprucing up the painting on on this wall or at the park entrance? Well, if you take a look at you know what do your guests expect when they come to you, and and we're in the context of theme parks right now, so yeah, they expect you know the to be able to ride the rides, right? The rides are going to be operational. You know, you know, they're going to have fun, right? They expect a fun environment, right? They expect a a hospitable environment, a clean, well maintained. They expect that the paint on the you know front of the park is going to be you know is going to be fresh, right? Or not not necessarily fresh, but not chipped, right? Yeah. And then all those little added touches, like you say, it it helps to enhance and elevate the guest experience. So the the more that you can implement those that are not exactly operational, they're more facility, you help to ensure that you meet your guests' expectations, which then helps to set up your operations for success to exceed the expectations. So if you walk into a park and there's all this trash over here and there's the paint chipping over here and everything seems kind of kind of dull it doesn't have those those added touches like you talk about the the wall around the flat ride at uh, you know at Lost Island or um you know the the roundup at Worlds of Fun and and kind of that and so those decorative aesthetic elements of it you can have the friendliest staff in the world and yeah there will be a, a positive memory of the staff but you're also kind of like think of it as a point system you know overflowing trash can you know minus a point you know that team members smiling and, and, uh, you know, welcome you to the ride, uh, like at, um, you know, like at lost time. Okay. That's, you know, that's a point, but it's also not a, you know, one for one, you know, it's not, you know, there's, there's not an equal weighting system. So you take all of that and you say, well, Hey, if we can do all of this with the environment, then we know we can outperform our guests, very high expectations with the operational, the, the guest service and hospitality aspects. Well, so you bring up something really interesting in the in the ROI, right? The return on investment and trying to calculate that. I've got a can of paint. I'm going to paint this column or whatever. How am I going to get that money back for the can of paint? And I, I don't know personally if there is a formula for that. Um, but I think if you continue to see your your guests coming back and spending and maybe your per cap is going up or, you know, all those things... I would imagine kind of come together at some point, you know? Um, and again, I'll go back to Jeffrey's enthusiasm, right? You know, his enthusiasm for having a, a, a well-painted, a well-maintained facility, a facility that just looks great, you know, and they're talking about the fact that, you know, their their attendance is, is really well, even on a really hot day. When I was there, I don't know what the number was, but it was 104 and I mean, you would have thought it was 98, right? <laughs> or you thought it was, it was, uh, you know, a, a nice, a, a slightly cooler day uh, because, you know, things were, were taken care of. And I, and I got to imagine that that is in, in people's minds and on their minds and, and part of their memory that they will ultimately take away that later on, they'll decide, do we want to go back to that place? What was that overall feeling that we had? Like you said, there might be a, a great team member interaction, Ultimately, they're going to talk about that overall feeling, and if that is detracted by the the maybe the lack of music someplace or the peeled paint or the trash or whatever it is, that's probably not going to lend itself so well to a positive, memorable experience. Mm -hmm. 
So there's a uh, a beach close to where I live right here in Chicago that, uh, and there's a, a number of beaches sort of scattered along the coast. It's not like Florida, but it's Midwest Great Lakes Beach, right? Uh, in the city, which is kind of cool to have sort of the, the beach with the city. This one particular beach, the, the sand is amazing. The size of the beach is, you know, is great. There's a, a restaurant that has a, a great atmosphere and sometimes they have live music and the food is really good, you know, and, and all that. The restrooms are disgusting. So my wife and I, we went there a few years ago and had a great experience with all those other aspects of it. But that that environmental aspect of these restrooms are not well taken care of at all. That is stopping us from going back. So that restaurant that we otherwise actually really enjoyed, we're not spending money there because of something that doesn't make them money, right? That, you know, the restroom is a, is a cost. It's not a revenue center, but that's stopping us from visiting. So when you talk about that, that return on investment, or that return on environment, it really is actual dollars and cents. So that, you know, that can of paint feeds into that expectation of I'm satisfied or I'm dissatisfied, AKA I'm coming back and I'm telling others, or I'm not coming back and I'm telling others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, It's interesting you mentioned restrooms because um, a couple of days, you know, that we were there when it was super hot, it was, I think, 104 when we were also at um, uh, SeaWorld San Antonio. Um, But they and also Fiesta Texas, they have some very nice air conditioned bathrooms. Mm, So (laughs) and 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 I will say they were clean. So it was nice. It was it wasn't so bad like to go in and just cool off for a second and you know wipe the sweat off your face. Um because it wasn't disgusting. It didn't smell awful, right? So it was a it was a, a decent little respite in your day uh when it came to cooling off just a little bit um uh in those in those uh, facilities. Comfort. If you're yeah. if you're not comfortable, you're yeah. going to go back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you are comfortable, you're going to remember it. So I will also say as as part of that environment um, that, as I mentioned, that um, Six Flags uh, Fiesta Texas had a VIP area that Jeffrey uh, allowed us to use. And I know that there's other VIP areas that you know are popping up in theme parks and, and different facilities all over the place. Um, honestly, this is one of the first times I, I actually took advantage of it. Um, but I have to say it was really, really cool. Um, it was, again, well painted, well well appointed. Uh, they had some comfy benches. They had some high table seating. They had some couches. Um, you walk in and there's cookies and there's pretzels and there's all kinds of you know cool drinks to drink. And they had a a bar service and that you could order lunch from there. And you know honestly, that experience being in that environment extended our stay mm. because at 104. We probably weren't going to last all that long if we were out in that the whole time, right? But we stayed from the, well, we got there early because we did the the lift walk with Jeffrey and his team, um, and we stayed until the Looney Tunes announcement came on saying you can't ride the Iron Rattler anymore. <laughs> um, but I don't think we would have stayed that long if it had not been for the environment that was created. And again, we've talked about the kind of the premium experience environment that was created through that, that VIP room where we could go back to it. We could relax. We could, you know, cool down a little bit. Um, We could charge our phones. All those kind of things could happen there in that environment that allowed us to go back out and enjoy the rest of the environment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Environment matters. 
environment matters. Yeah. All right. Next one. Next one. History matters. History matters. Um, so I wouldn't call myself a, a, an amusement park historian, uh, maybe a buff, maybe an enthusiast. Um, yeah. I, I'm intrigued by uh, amusement park history, but I, I don't have the knowledge that a lot of other people have. But what I do really, really appreciate is when a park will acknowledge and communicate to their guests maybe where an, a ride or something has come from that they're now rehoming and, and giving new life uh, in this particular park. So two examples that I have, and there might have been more I just didn't see, uh, but at Worlds of Fun, their grand carousel actually came from Geauga Lake, which was uh, my growing up park uh, when I was younger. And I even stood in front of the sign and I pointed to it, uh, took a picture. But as I was standing there thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, it's cool to hear about the the history of the, of the, the carousel, the ride itself. Um, but then thinking, I probably rode that when I was much, much younger going to Jug Lake because it gave the years yeah. you know that it was at Jug Lake and it was absolutely within the years that I that I lived there and was going there um so I was like hmm that that's cool that was really cool to me right and so I appreciated that they called that out um there was another example at um Frontier City their Wildcat Wooden Coaster couple of things on this one so there was a plaque out front that mentioned where the coaster had come from and it's slipping my mind right now where where it was relocated from but what i also really appreciated is in the queue they have pictures and a little blurb about coasters that weren't even at the park like and some of them weren't even from six flags parks you know parks you know all over the place i know i know there's a couple of Knobles coasters um I think the beast was on there from Kings Island. So just these little plaques as you're walking through the queue that kind of told you a little bit about coaster history, you know, as, as you're, as you're waiting in line. Um, so I really appreciate that. And to me, it deepens the experience that you have with that particular attraction. Now, maybe that's nerdy of me to say, you know, but, you know, understanding that the, that the, um, the carousel came from Jugga Lake and even World, Worlds of Fun's uh, new coaster, the Zimbezi Zinger, was a throwback to another coaster that they had there, um, right. which Zimbezi Zinger, I think, is a winner. I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but I really think that there's so much history within the industry that the more people can embrace it, I think the more their guests will be intrigued by it. Now, now some won't care. Right. Some will just pass by it. They won't care. They won't read the plaque. But to me, this is almost like a lesson that a theme park might take from a museum. Right. And say, this is something that's got history. This has got this has got weight to it. That is more than just, hey, we found this carousel in the in the ride manufacturer catalog and said, boom, we're going to plop it here. Uh, so I, I really do think that history matters. And I think that it can help deepen uh, the the average guests' appreciation for where they're at because they might they might not not realize that that there's actually a, a little bit more significance. And, and think of just all the people who've you know who've ridden this and that you know oh you know my my grandparents grew up here maybe they wrote it when you know when they were much younger and then be able to to kind of see the 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 generational aspect of it. Um, there was one I thought that you were going to mention because we actually spoke about it when okay. we're at Great America and that's the Little Dipper. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> See, that's another one. I, I, I took a picture. I knew there was another example, but you're right. Absolutely. 
relocated from Kitty Land. Yes, yes. I, I quickly just pulled it up on on RCDB to see the history. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and so also at Frontier City, there used to be interlocking loops, um, aero shuttle loops at Great Adventure, and mm-hmm. one of them is at Silver or is at Frontier City. So I don't remember. I think they call it Diamondback now, but I don't remember seeing anything in in terms of the history of that one. Um, like a plaque or anything but um of course as nerds we knew where it was from and so uh that was one thing that we had to do while we were there nice yeah 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 history matters and i I especially love when when older parks have either a a museum element uh you know the, the town hall museum at cedar point I can get lost in there. I mean, I I mean, just seeing like, all right, here's all the pictures. And it's like, oh, I'm standing at that spot right now. I mean, if you're watching this on video right behind me, I've got a map that's more than 50 years old, actually, from Cedar Point that I bought on eBay many, many years ago that, you know, that I, that I hold on to because it's like, oh, wow, like the, the history of this place is significant. And at that point, by the time the map was printed, the park was over 100 years old at that point. Mm. So knowing, you know, the history of that park and, you know, and, and just so many other parks and, uh, and knowing just how they weave their way in with our country's history, our world's history. We could, we could really nerd out here and be history buffs, you know, if, <laughs> if we want to, but even just on the surface of uh, being able to introduce those elements to your guests, I think can, can help create, you know, foster an even more emotional connection that they might have with, with the park itself. I'm glad you brought up emotional connection because I think that's exactly what I was trying to articulate that you do have more of a, uh, an emotional connection when you know that there's a history behind it. Maybe you were connected to it in some point at some point, maybe your family was, um, but you see that there's much more thought process behind a lot of the things that are, that are, you know, put in front of you for your enjoyment. Yeah, uh, exactly. And and the way that you communicate that to your guests. Absolutely. So speaking of uh, museums real quick, um, and I may have said this in a conversation that wasn't recorded, but when you go to Knobles, you got to check out their museum. Oh, I plan to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So I have one more. Okay. One more. And this one is activities matter. So I've talked about some attractions, some rides. Um, you know, we went on Raging Bull. We did Goliath at Great America. You know, of course, rides are a big part of Coaster NerdCon, of course, right? Um, but there were a couple of places where there were activities happening that didn't have anything to do with an attraction itself. It wasn't a food stand. It wasn't a game. But it was something that you got to discover that was kind of unknown to you at the time that became a really cool experience. And a couple of them actually happened at Lost Island. So at Lost Island, there is a, right by their 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 dark ride, there's a fountain. And as you walk around to the fountain, you see that there's a, there's some, um, uh, a, a saying in, in the rock and there's, there's handprints. And, and basically, you know, if you put your hands on these hand, these, these spots, it affects how the fountain works, right? And if you put, if you have more, I think there's four spots for hands, the more hands on there, the more things the fountain does, right? That's not like an attraction, so to speak. It's not a ride you're standing in line for, but it's a cool activity that you can discover. It reminded me of the 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 queue for Mummy at Universal Studios thinking, in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where you put your hand on that and it, it, uh, it uh, does things in the queue. So, that's something that, again, you don't necessarily, 
that's not what you're paying for when you come in, but you are paying for that, right? So there, there, there was that. Um, also for Lost Island, there is an app that I honestly didn't know of before we went in. And that is supposed to kind of gamify your experience as you go through. And um, there, there's an area where there's some some writing that looks like it's in a very different language, right? In a from what I understand, the app helps you decipher that, and there's messages and things of that nature. Um, but there was also a um, an area at Lost Island where you walk up to this structure, and there's just a seat and some pedals, and at the top it looks like a propeller. And so my inclination is, I'm going to sit on that seat, and if I pedal, is that going to turn the propeller? And it did. So, but you know those kind of things, or having. Um, uh, like the musical tubes that you can play, kind of like Blue Man Group. You play the the tube with the with the foam thing, and it makes music. And so there's there was those kind of things. But what I found was, you know, as much as we enjoy the rides, and at Lost Island we love the food, um, those activities were such a nice break in the day. They were such they they were truly a discovery, which. I thought from somebody who's been to a lot of theme parks, I I I don't want to be jaded. I don't want to think I know everything that's going to happen. And so when I when I happened upon these things and it became like, oh, this is kind of cool. It was almost like looking for Tony and, and Gina's posters, right? And it became the scavenger hunt. And now, you know, after the fountain, after the bicycle thing, I'm sure there's a, a more, you know, um, uh, original name for it. But after those things, I started looking for more. I started looking for more things that I could, you know, kind of be um, involved with that weren't like a traditional ride. Um, one other quick example from Silver Dollar City is that speaking of activities in their kind of town square as you walk in, uh, this was kind of midway through the day, they were doing a water balloon fight. Like they just had people lining up. And they had an MC, super funny guy, you know, probably from entertainment. And they were throwing water balloons back and forth. And they had, you know, one of their kind of hillbilly guys, you know, playing along and throwing the water balloons. But I mean, you come to Silver Dollar City, you expect great food. You expect the the, the craftsmen and the artisans. You expect the rides and stuff like that. You happen upon, you know, something as simple as a water balloon fight. And we stood and we watched it for a little while, right? This wasn't a show. This was... To me, I would call this an activity. And those things that I mentioned at Lost Island, that balloon, um, the water balloon fight at at uh, Silver Dollar City, these activities matter. And I think that they, they ultimately um, really elevated our experience. So it almost kind of ties in a little bit with streetmosphere and yeah. then and and the environment as well. I would I would maybe even even call yeah. back to um, the things that you can do, the things that you discover. Once you discover them, or perhaps maybe they're introduced to you, let's now bring back the phrase emotional connection to the park. When you think about your memory of Lost Island, let's say, let's say you and I go there. I wasn't with you at the, you know, I was only with you on, on you know, the Six Flags Day, I didn't come with you to Iowa. You'd be able to be like, Josh, let me, let me show you something really cool because I've got, I've got this, this insider knowledge, this emotional connection to the park that, like you said, you don't want to be jaded and think that you know everything about the park, but but hey, I know this little thing that most people aren't going to realize. Yeah. A few other examples I can think of, Hard Rock Park, right in front of Led Zeppelin, the ride was this big stone guitar and all the strings were uh, were actually like water, like there were water, like water uh, fountains, I guess, mm -hmm. you can call it, like, like streams, uh, faucets, I would say. 
whenever you you put your hand over it, so if it if the I guess if the water was not you know making contact with the bottom of it, it would play the guitar note. And you could actually, you would, if you kept doing it, you kept breaking the the streams, it would play Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> in the restroom right next to Led Zeppelin, the ride, uh, there was a mirror, but it wasn't a mirror. There was a sign next to it and it said broken mirror. You're nodding your head. Did you know about this? I didn't. No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm in being enthusiastic and listening. It was, it was a camera and a monitor on a three second delay but it looked like it was a mirror. And if you walked in front of it, you wouldn't see yourself. So you'd take a step back, you'd look to the side and then you'd look at the mirror again and then you'd see yourself walk in front of it, get confused and see, you know, those, that that's like a, a, a thing that, you know, a lot of people probably notice. There was the uh, the rockabilly cow, rockabilly cow in the cool country section that um, that would yell insults at you. Actually, it was very similar to the Mystic Fountain, which I know you have a very strong emotional connection to at Islands of Adventure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so all those little things, you know, add into the environment. Like I said, it is what people pay for. Because you know what? Not everybody's going to go on the rides. You know, not everybody is going to see every single show. So the more that you can you can embed that people can sort of kind of stumble into as part of their experience, uh, those, those little wow moments really add up. Absolutely. And I know that in a lot of... Um, uh... I will say heavily designed theme parks. They try to create that discovery with, you know, having, having a walkway that kind of turns and you can't see where you're going um, until you, you, you make that turn and it kind of a whole world opens up or um, you know, I, one of the one of the examples I like is if you're on the um, the water taxi at Universal in Orlando, and you go under the bridge uh, toward the Portofino, and as soon as you come out of the bridge, like this whole Italian um, countryside opens up with this massive hotel. Um, it's 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 really cool to discover those things, and I think again um, that was something that I really kind of enjoyed and, and took away with those experiences where I could do something that was so unexpected and literally I discovered it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read about it in the map ahead of time. I didn't see it on the, on the, on the, the website. Um, maybe if I did have the app for lost Island, I would have, I would have known about that ahead of time, but um, it was actually really cool to just kind of stumble onto those things. That's a great word. You stumble onto it, you discover it, you spend a couple of minutes, you're like, wow, that was really cool. That was that was something that really enhanced my experience. Instead of just walking from attraction to attraction, now you've got, you're, you're kind of enacting this story along the way. It probably slowed you down a little bit too, because oh, yeah. like walking from attraction to attraction, you can go there, you can check the box and said, I rode all these rides you know, from a from a purely objective standpoint, I had the experience that the ticket price got me into. You know, that was that was expected when I got here. And then those little moments, those activities, those enhancements, if you will, uh, those are what will make people say, "This was this was worth it. This was this was worth the you know the the emotional experience that they're having with it, even if it's just that little surprise and delight moment." Those those smiles add up. And one, one, one quick thing on the worth it, you know, a lot of times we think about that in terms of money, but we all know that in many cases, time is more valuable than money. So was it worth it to go to 
Lost Island or Adventureland or all these different places. And when you can walk out of there and not even be thinking about how much you paid to get in, but remembering all the cool things that you got to do and, and saying, wow, this was a great day. And, um, you know, I can't wait to look at my pictures and put them on Facebook and, you know, all those, all those memory, uh, uh type of things, you know, that's when you know that you've really, um, had a great experience. And as an, as an operator, that's when you know, you've created a great experience, uh, for someone else. Did you post any pictures on Facebook? I Just a couple. That. Just a couple. Just I'm a couple. still getting notifications. Right? <laughs> amount of days ago. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, these are is some good lessons. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, so to to recap real quick, um, enthusiasm matters, recognition matters, environment matters, history matters, and activities matter. I put one in between recognition and environment because I wasn't sure if this was a, a full one or a or a sub matter, but I put food matters. Absolutely. Sure. I think yeah. food goes in all of them. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Well, Matt, thank you for uh for sharing all of these. I always love learning lessons from your coaster nerd cons. I'm going on one of those myself in between the time that we record this and by the time that uh, that this releases, I'm headed out to uh, Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So I, I look forward to to having my own uh hopefully these moments of stumble and surprise and delight. And like you said, I look forward to checking out the history museum at Knobles and uh and being able to see what what lessons I learned. Maybe, maybe we'll do another. CNC lessons episode in the near future. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I would love to hear uh, about your experiences and what you learn and all the fun stuff that you get to do. And if you got a corn dog on a stick, I plan to, <laughs> or cheese on a stick, Wait. cheese on a stick. Is, isn't your, isn't that your thing? That is my thing. I, yeah. I've only found it in a couple select places. So we'll see, we'll see if they have it. If uh, at any of the going to five parks, we'll see if they have, I'll, I'll be on the lookout for it. Good. <laughs> Good, good, good. Awesome. Well, thank you for um, not only joining us on day one, which was awesome, um, but for uh, allowing me to kind of walk through and uh, and really remember a lot of the things that we did on this trip, which were so, so fun. And for everybody out there who's watching and listening, just remember, we are all attraction pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.